Welcome to the Enrich Life Podcast. Uh, my name is Jordan Clark, and it's so great for you to be here today with us. Uh, we just want to get through a couple of house cleaning and announcements before we get started with our episode for this week. Uh, just so you know, our fundraiser for March 15th has been uh, postponed to April 19th. Uh, that fundraiser that was supposed to be at our church at 3200 Avonhurst Drive uh, this upcoming Sunday has been postponed due to the COVID-19 coronavirus. So we just want to make sure everyone is safe. We want to make sure everyone uh, understands that, you know, we want to encourage non-social or uh, or distance, socially distancing behavior. Uh, so we wanna make sure that we are not uh, putting anyone in harm's way with our events. So we have postponed that event. So it's no longer on Sunday night. If you can't make it to the April 19th fundraiser, your tickets that you bought, uh, you can refund them starting on March 16th. Uh, that's Monday, or uh, all you have to do is message us, message the church office. You can message me at jordan.clark at redfrogs.com, or you can uh, message us through our website at www.enrichregina.com and just let us know that you want your money back and we will refund you. That ticket that you have is good for April 19th, so you can just keep it and show up on April 19th and uh, bring that ticket in. Uh, you can also, uh, uh, tickets will remain on sale as well uh, starting this week as we'll just keep selling them up right up until April 19th. So if you have any questions about that, any issues with that, just please let us know and uh, we will deal with that right away. We also don't know, we have a clue night coming up on March 25th. Uh, that's a Wednesday night. That was supposed to be a campus-wide uh, clue night. We It looks like we're going to revisit it with our Enrichu of our leadership team. We're going to look at it and we're just going to see if we can change it, see if we will uh, move it off campus. Uh, so please stay tuned to that. For both details on both events and our statement, our official statement, please go to uh, Facebook at EnrichUvar or you can go to Red Frogs Regina on Facebook or Instagram and just check our accounts out and you can see our official statement and details regarding all these events and when they are going to be starting back up once again. Thank you so much for your patience today and we're going to get right with our show. Uh, we are excited for next week because we're going to start our next part of our series of Follow Me. Uh, we've been learning that we need to uh, apply the sacred texts in our lives, that we need to uh, have prayer and meditation in our lives in order to understand how to follow Jesus. And today we'll be discussing how to cope with our fears and anxieties by, uh, by giving ourselves a time to rest and a daily and a weekly break and a daily break break and that is called a Sabbath. So we're going to be talking about that today and we're going to tie it all in with what's going on in the world because it's really important to talk about all that stuff. So uh, next week we're starting the next part of our series where the next tier of the trellis is going to come into play and on that part of the trellis that we've been talking about making a rule of life is relationships, sex, and community. So uh, please tune in next week as we start to dive into what relationships look like. And we're going to bring on a guest that's going to be with us for that whole time of that series. And her name is Mandy Foster. It's going to be a lot of fun. So please tune in next week for that as well. If you're listening to the audio version of this podcast, just so you know, uh, the podcast is now on YouTube. So you can go to Enrich Uvar on YouTube. You can see our Red Frogs promotion videos on there. You can also see these uh, updates and these uh, these uh, video podcasts as well. We're also going to... Uh, 
post five to 10 minute little snippet devotions once a week, every Monday morning that you can tune in on our website or you can go right to our YouTube and you can tune in and you can do a devotional with us. They'll be about five to 10 minutes long, nice and quick, and you can tune in to do a devotional with us to start your week off right. So please tune in for that. And uh, we're really excited to start this new media format with you so that you can see us, you can interact with us, and uh, it's not just an audio version anymore. For thing I hate, I uh, I don't know if you saw these videos on YouTube or online, but there's videos of people at grocery stores that are going nuts over toilet paper. They're going crazy because of this uh, coronavirus, and there's people like slamming, even politicizing the issue. And I think both Trump and both Biden and Bernie Sanders, they all, everyone has politicized this. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has politicized this, and you know I'm just really tired of people. Uh, using this virus as a method to uh, get back at people, like even people celebrating that uh, uh, Justin Trudeau's wife, uh, Sophie Trudeau, is sick with coronavirus. I think we just need to take a step back and just realize, uh, first of all, you don't need to stockpile anything because it's. I, I don't believe things, uh, uh, supply chains are going to shut down. Uh, if you're going to stockpile anything, make sure you just get some food, get your fridge full of food so you can eat food. Uh, it's very important to understand too, like I went to Walmart today to go see if I can get some hand sanitizer or like soap for red frogs tonight. And there was like this lady stealing paper towel out of someone's cart and stealing toilet paper out of someone's cart. And we just need to relax and need to understand that uh, there's lineups for this stuff because people are panicking because of this coronavirus. So we're going to get more on the coronavirus later in the episode because this episode is talking about our anxieties and talking about how we can uh, uh, feel less anxious in a world that is giving us a lot, a lot of reason to be anxious. But uh, we just need to just relax and treat each other like human beings, uh, understand that we need to be responsible. So if you're feeling sick, you need to stay home. If uh, you know someone that is sick, like, don't go over to the house and don't interact with them and just tell them like, Hey, you know what? I don't really want to get sick and I don't want to get, you know, eat any sicker than I am. And, you know, just communicate with people and, and stop stealing these things and stop uh, stockpiling the stuff that like, you don't need to buy eight packs of toilet paper. You don't need to, you know, let other people have toilet paper. Uh, there was one case in the star uh, from Toronto that where there are a couple they were they actually bought a bunch of Lysol wipes uh, before this, and now they're selling Lysol wipes, and they're making like a hundred grand off of uh, selling Lysol wipes. And so don't don't be like that either. Don't uh, you know if people need something, make sure you give it to them. Make sure you help them. Uh, that's why we're here, and that's you know for us that's really important. So, um, anyways, we're gonna get more on the coronavirus later, but that's the things I hate this week, and. The thing I love, uh, I absolutely, so I missed out on this movie, it came out in 2017, and I kind of missed the boat on it, I just never got around to watching it. Uh, back in 2017 too, I was a little bit more hunkered down in my politics than I am now, and so there was a lot of buzz around this movie, and 
a lot of people just saying they didn't like this movie because of political reasons. Anyways, I just, I never got around to watching this movie and I finally watched it on Monday and I absolutely loved it. It's one of my favorite movies uh, that I've seen in a long time it, for a comedy. It's one of my favorite comedies I've seen uh, in a long time and it's called Lady Bird and it's by, written and directed by Greta Gerwig and it's got uh, starring uh, Cherche Ronan and uh she is a fantastic actress. She's actually one of my favorite actresses right now. And she's Irish descent. And uh, she's been in films like Hannah. She's been in Atonement. Uh, she's also been in, uh, what was her most recent? Oh, she was in Little Woman as well. And so I really appreciate her as an actress. She's an amazing actress. And she actually started as a child actress and has worked her way up now to develop into a wonderful um, adult actress and so really she led the movie and she was carried the movie so well uh, it also stars Laurie Metcalf who is from Roseanne and she plays the mother uh, uh, to Christine uh, McPherson who is also named Lady Bird in the movie and that is uh, Shorshe Ronan's character uh, and Laurie Metcalf does an amazing job of uh, being her mom. It also stars Tracy Lutz as the father, Lucas Hedges as Danny, and uh, Timothy Chalamet as uh, Kyle. And uh, he's also been in a movie called Call Me By Your Name, uh, which is very acclaimed. And he's also in Little Women as well. So, and I just watched a Little Women as well, and I really loved it. So, I really recommend this movie, Greta brings such sensitivity to the film world. And the movie kind of reminded me of Juno. It kind of uh, is about a girl growing up in Sacramento, California, and it's all about how we think there's this really uh, lavish view of California, but California actually is really hard to grow up in. And it just is a really... I've never seen a movie with such honesty and such... Uh, just when it comes to teenage issues, when it comes to... Uh, even teenage sex, even uh, how you view yourself as a person and as a woman growing up in this world. It's a very good movie, very honest movie. So I recommend it uh, to all of everyone that's watching and listening. And we're just going to play a small clip for you right away. We're afraid that we will never escape our past. Whatever we give you is never enough. It's never it enough. It is enough. We're afraid of what the future will bring. We're afraid we won't be loved. You can't do anything unless you're the center of attention. We won't be liked. Yeah, well, you know your mom's tits, they're totally fake. She made one bad decision in 19. Two bad decisions. And we won't succeed. I want you to be the very best version of yourself that you can be. What if this is the best version? What I'd really like is to be on Math Olympiad. But math isn't something you're terribly strong in. That we know of yet. So when it comes to our anxiety and it comes to the social pressures in the world, I think this week, out of all the weeks we've ever dealt with uh, regarding be regarding Heidi and I living in Regina, regarding even my my entire life, I've never really experienced anything quite like we're experiencing right now when it comes to this coronavirus uh, pandemic. And I think it's a very important time to actually talk about our last tenants uh, when it comes to 
the root and the bottom of the trellis when it comes to this understanding of what are the three disciplines and the three practices that we can do uh, in order to build our rule of life, in order to live a life that is honoring to God and that we know that we can grow deep roots into. And I think that's really... It's kind of fascinating that on the week that people are forced to take a break, on a week that uh, the NBA, the NHL, the Masters, PJ Masters, uh, they're all being canceled. Major events are being canceled. The Juno Awards in Saskatoon was just canceled. Uh, we just canceled our own fundraiser. The university canceled the Culture Affix Night tonight at the bar. And I think it's really important to understand that uh, that in this time of like forced break and forced isolation and forced quarantine, that uh, the 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 biblical tenant of Sabbath is really important, and this idea of taking a break and relaxing is actually biblical, and it's actually something that God has deemed us to do. And there's a couple of reasons why it is so important, and it's so important to practice. Uh, so before we get to that, though, we just want to address what's going on in the world, because what is going on in the world is kind of crazy. And uh, if you're listening today, we just wanted to make this episode about what is happening with the coronavirus. We wanted to make this episode about, you know, how to deal with it, how what are the next steps and what if you're feeling anxiety about it, if you're feeling anxious about it, what are some things that you can do in order to ease your anxiety and you know, I wanted to make a disclaimer, you know, I'm not, I'm personally not a trained as a counselor uh, in my theology degree training. I'd never trained uh, in any counseling courses. So today, you know, this isn't professional advice, but what we are going to do is we're going to look into the Bible and we're going to look into what some other experts are saying about the virus in order to learn some facts, to learn some knowledge and, and to just ease our, our understanding uh, of what this virus is and and to kind of let us, you know, allow us to sleep at night and allow us to realistically look at the situation instead of causing more panic. So first of all, I wanted to address this idea of taking a break. And uh, it's interesting. I was watching this. Uh, we're going to show a few clips from this podcast episode that I recently watched. But I was watching the Joe Rogan podca podcast and he was having elite scientists on that podcast. And uh, and the scientist was actually just talking about how uh, this has been this pandemic has been something that has been predicted for a couple of years now. Uh, we're not really surprised that it's happening. What we are surprised is, is how contagious it is and how fast it's spreading around the world and he was actually stating uh it's very important to understand you know where this whole virus started and he talks about how it started in these wet markets in in the heart of china and we're just going to watch a quick uh listen to a quick clip on that right now and then we're going to discuss it and talk about it Lack of a better term a medical detective i've spent my whole career tracking infectious diseases down trying to stop them Try to understand where they come from so we can make sure they don't happen in the first place. But most of all, trying to respond to situations just like this. Just like this. And um, just out, off the bat, how serious is this? Is this something that we need to be terrified of or is this overblown or how, how do you stand on this? Well, first of all, you have to understand the timing of it in the sense that it's just beginning. And so in terms of what hurt pain, suffering, death has happened so far is really just beginning. 
Um, this is going to unfold for months to come yet, and that's, I think, what people don't quite yet understand. Um, what we saw in China, uh, I'm convinced, as are many of my colleagues, as soon as they release all of these uh, social distances, these mandated stay-in-homes, haven't left their home in weeks and weeks kind of thing, when they go back to work, they're on planes, trains, subways, buses, crowded spaces, manufacturing plants, even China is going to come back again. And so this really is acting like an influenza virus, something that transmits very, very easily through the air. We now have data to show that you're infectious before you even get sick. And in some cases, quite highly infectious, just breathing is all that you need to do. So from this perspective, I can understand why people would say, well, wait a minute, flu kills a lot more itself every year than this does. And I'll re remind people this just is the beginning. Probably the best guesstimate we have right now on what limited data we have would say this is going to be at least 10 to 15 times worse than the worst seasonal flu year we see. 10 to 15 times worse in terms of fatalities? Yeah, or? yeah, and, and just illness. In fact, I just I brought some numbers. We uh, conservatively estimate that this could in, uh, require 48 million hospitalizations, 96 million uh, cases actually occurring, over 480,000 deaths that can occur over the next three to seven months with this situation. So this is not one that to take lightly. And I think that's what I can understand if you say there's only been 10 deaths or 20 deaths or 50 deaths. Just remember, two weeks ago, we were talking about almost no cases in the United States. And now that we're testing for it and watching the spread as it's unfolding, uh, those numbers are going up astronomically. Three weeks ago, Italy was just living life just fine. Now they're literally in a virtual shutdown in the northern parts of Italy. And that's the challenge with an infectious disease like this. It can spread very quickly, and it also can affect people. I think maybe to put this into modern terms, because this is something we think of often when we think of, of you know, pre-antibiotic days, you know, the old-time medicine. Um, we have an employee at our Center for Infectious Research and Policy at the University of Minnesota, and she has a dear friend who lives in Milan, Italy. And she works at a hospital there, and she texts this to this employee of ours last night. And this was an email that came out yesterday from one of their physicians in Milan at the largest hospital there. And he said, I just got a very disturbing message from a cardiologist at one of the Milan's largest hospitals. They're deciding who they have to let die. They aren't screening the staff anymore because they need all hands on deck. And they have a very small areas of the hospital dedicated to non-COVID patients where they still screen doctors. Everybody else is dedicated to COVID patients. So even if they're positive, meaning that they're sick, they don't, and, but they don't have a severe cough or fever, then they have to work. Uh, he says that, that they're seeing an alarming number of cases in the 40-something range range. And these are horrible cases. So we need to stop thinking that this is only an old person's disease. This is what I'm going to unfold, not just in Wuhan, it's unfolding in Milan, it's unfolding here in, in Seattle. And this is what's going to continue to rollingly unfold throughout the world. Yeah, where did this rumor come from that it's a, an old person's disease? Is it just because the majority of the people that have died from it so far have been older? Yes. In fact, that's the primary risk factor for dying is being old and then having certain underlying health problems. For example, in China, uh, those men over the age of 70 who also smoked, were 8 to 10% of them died. 65% of older Chinese men smoke. The uh, case fatality rate, or the percentage of people who die in women in that same age group, was only about 2%. In that mm. case, w very few women smoke. Now, the challenge we have is that that's the Chinese data. But there are a series of risk factors that we worry about that if they overlay on this disease are going to cause bad outcomes. And we happen to be right at ground zero for one of the major ones here in this country, and that's obesity. 
Uh, we know that obesity is just like smoking in terms of its ability to really cause severe life-threatening disease, and 45% of our population today over the age of 45 in this country are obese or severely obese, and there's men and women. So one of the concerns we have is we're going to see more of these, uh, what I guess I would call very serious and life-threatening cases occur in our country because of a different set of risk factors than we saw in China. Now, you mentioned that there's some sort of an incubation period before people become sick, they're still contagious. What is this incubation period and how do we know about it? When we call something an incubation period, we're talking about from the time you and I got exposed, meaning I was in a room breathing the air that somebody else who was infected uh, with the virus was expelling out, I breathed it in. How long from that time period till the time period that you get sick? And what is that? It's, that's what we call the incubation period. So that's when case numbers can double or triple in every so many days. In this case, it's about four days. So, And we actually have data there from people who are exposed one time or one time only. And we know when they were exposed, where they were exposed, and how soon do they get sick afterwards. So the chauffeur in the car where an individual was sick or showing symptoms, then the chauffeur gets it four days later. You know, they were there one time and one time only. And if the chauffeur does not show any symptoms, he's still contagious. He can he, still. He could also be it. contagious too, or he. And that's one of the things that's challenging here is you and I might get exposed to somebody who is totally asymptomatic, no symptoms. That virus would appear. Well, that's not a very strong virus. But in fact, when it infects us, it could kill us. So we've seen cases of, of fatal disease that were exposed to people that had minor symptoms themselves. Wow. And this is what's unfolding here, and, and this is where I think is such an important, and you know, I said why the timing is so important, because, you know, Joel, we've really got to get information out to the public. There is so much misinformation right now, and, you know, we're going to be in this for a while. This is not going to happen overnight. And I worry, I keep telling people we're handling this like it's a corona blizzard, you know, two or three days, mm -hmm. we're back to normal. This is a coronavirus winter, and we're going to have the next three months or more, six months or more, that are going to be like this. And, you know, so far this thing has been unfolding exactly as we predicted it. We and our center put out a piece uh, on January 20th and said this is going to spread worldwide. At the time, people said, ah, no, it's just China. We put out a piece the first week of February and said this is going to pop probably the last week of February, first week of March, because what happens is it has what's called an R-naught, or a doubling time of, of, of these every four days. So two, two increases doubling every four days. So if you go from 2 to 4 to 8 to 16, it takes a while to build up. But when you start going from 500 to 1,000 to 2,000 to 4,000, that's what we're seeing happen in places like Italy. We're beginning to see it in some ways up in Seattle. It's what happened in China. And, uh, you know, when people are confronted with that, suddenly this low-risk phenomenon that everybody talks about isn't so low anymore. And that's what we need to prepare people for. Now, what can be done? Like, what, what can the average person do? I see people walking around with masks on, wearing gloves. Is that nonsense? Largely, yes. Yeah. First of all, um, let's step back. The primary mechanism for transmission is just the respiratory route. It's just breathing. Um, in studies in Germany, which just have been published literally in the last 24 hours, um, they actually followed a group of people who had been exposed to somebody in an automobile manufacturing plant, and then they had nine people that, with this exposure, he said, if you have any symptoms at all, contact us. We want to follow up. And they all agreed. Well, they got infected. And so in the very first hours, just feeling bad, sore throat, they went in and sampled their throats, their, their saliva, their nose for virus. They did blood. They did stool. They did urine. And they found that at that very moment, when they first got sick, they had incredibly high levels of virus, sometimes 10,000 times that we saw with SARS. 
in their throats, meaning they were infectious at that point already, and they hadn't even had symptoms yet of really any nature. They weren't coughing yet. Wow. And and that's where we're concerned because that's the kind of transmission. It's you know I always have said in trying to stop influence virus transmission like trying to stop the wind. You know, we d we've never had anything successfully do that other than vaccine, and we don't have a vaccine here. So what's happening is that people in public spaces are getting infected. And the way you need to address that is, unfortunately, if you're older, over 55, you have some underlying health problems, which unfortunately a lot of Americans do. We have uh, obesity. Then right now you don't want to be in large public spaces. You're trying to potentially get infected. So you can take care of that part. As far as what can public health do? We're not going to, we can talk about this. We're not going to have a vaccine anytime soon. That's happy talk. Um, what we, you know, we can close schools. One of the big challenges we have right now, if we close schools, what do we accomplish? In influenza virus, when you, we close schools during outbreaks, because it turns out kids are get infected in school and they're like little virus reactors. You know, they come home and they transmit it to mom and dad and brothers and sisters. And uh, so we close schools sometimes in Christmas breaks are always great for kind of putting the dampening effect on flu. In this case, kids are not getting sick very often at all, which is one of the really good news features of this disease. In China, only 2.1% of the cases were under 19 years of age. And Why is that? You know, we don't completely know. Uh, and, and I'm going to come to that in a second because they're getting infected, it turns out. One study showed that they still get infected with the virus, but they don't get sick. And we have that happen. There's a disease called infectious hepatitis, hepatitis A, where we have outbreaks in daycares. And the way we know we have an outbreak is because it's transmitted through the stool, fecal oral, is mom and dad and the daycare providers all get sick. And the kids, those symptoms, we go in and test the kids, they're all positive. So some diseases will manifest my primarily when you're an adult but not as a child. This one appears to be the same. So do we close schools or not? if we're not really spreading the disease, because it turns out that if we close schools, we, uh, a recent study done showed that 38% of nurses today in this country who are working in the medical area have kids in school. And if suddenly we're closing schools for two or three months, who's going to take care of those kids? One-fourth of the American population has no sick leave. If we close schools, they don't get paid if they have to stay home. So when you ask what can we do, we have to really be thoughtful about what we do. Are we doing more harm than good by closing schools, for example, even though everybody will say, oh, we got to do everything we can? Or do we just tell people, you know, it's going to be limiting your contact as much as you can, and that's really about what we can do. And I wanted to just... The, the episode's pretty long, uh, but that is, you can find that on YouTube. It's the Joe Rogan Experience, number uh, 1439, and it's Michael Osterholm. And he wrote a book on uh, plagues and viruses, and he's an expert on it. And he is a leading scientist as well, and one of the con consultants to the, White, to the White House, sorry. And we, it's important to play that because I like, I like what he says at the end of it. It's just all about your points of contact. It's all about, you know, who you contact and what you're touching and are you washing your hands? Are you being hygienic? Are you having a shower every day? I think that's just really important is, is to be hygienic. And it's kind of interesting how this started in Wuhan, China. And, and Wuhan and China has really poor hygienic standards. It has, I know there's like... Uh, they actually take the oil that they use, that the runoff oil in the street markets that they cooked with, they actually drain it into a sewer system and then they take that oil and they put it back into their buckets and they cook with it again to save money. And uh, that's just one example of how 
They're, they don't have the same hygienic rules that we have. And this coronavirus is believed to have started in, and this is, Michael says this in the episode, uh, it's believed to have started in the wet markets in in Wuhan, China, where they bring in exotic animals that are wild. And what you do is you come up to them and you just pick one and then you can take its fur off. You can tor- uh, you can kill it right there. You can eat it for meat. And there's like bats and different animals that they do that to. And it's just really unethical. And it's uh, I don't think it's an accident that that virus has come out of that kind of practice. And I think it's really important to understand that and to know that. And this virus actually started in November 2019 and the Chinese government hit it for a, a while before it expanded outside of China. So now I showed you that clip to show you some facts of what's happening, what they're looking at, what some of the early studies are showing. And and then we're going to unpack what we need to do in light of this uh, coronavirus. But another thing in China that they're really poor at doing is a lot of people in China overwork themselves and a lot of people uh, actually don't take a break and they don't uh, they, they care more about their job and making money and their status and sometimes it's actually because they're so poor and because they live in such poverty that they have to work all the time in order to just scrape by and it's just really poor economic situation over there compared to here and you know, I think that's why uh, viruses and sicknesses actually do spread quite a bit is because people don't take care of their bodies. They don't take care of themselves. They don't take the proper hygienic route. And we need to learn today that we need to do that. This podcast is called Enrich Life. It's called that for a reason. And because when you listen to this podcast, we want you to learn how to enrich your life. We want you to learn the practical and the spiritual needs and methods that you can have in order to live through situations that might cause you anxiety. Uh, we, We want you to know that we are here with you and that your life can be enriched in those times. And that's exactly what this episode is about today. Now, When it comes to Sabbath, biblically speaking, Sabbath is very important. Uh, It actually, the the Jewish tradition, they actually still practice Sabbath in this way, but you actually don't take just one day off. You take three days off and it starts on Friday and you fast from everything. You fast from your technology. Sometimes you fast from your food and you get rid of all the distractions in your life in order to spend time with your family on your Sabbath. And that's the point of a Sabbath. And you actually take it from Friday to Saturday to Sunday. And that's what a Jewish Sabbath looks like. Biblically speaking, uh, that's what the Jews practice in the Old Testament. But when you look at the uh, Old Testament narrative of Genesis, you have God creating the world in uh, day one to six. And you have this time where God takes the time uh, to create his wonderful creation. And he starts by creating uh the heavens and the earth and he starts by creating the sky and he does the ocean and then he does the sea animals and the land animals and then he uh, also does the night and the day and then he eventually creates humanity and the last day the seventh day he's he stops what he's doing and he's created the whole world and then he takes a break and he says that it is good and even from the very beginning of scripture we have this idea of taking a break and god modeling that for us now, uh, in Ken Shigematsu's book, God Am I Everything, this is the book we've been going through in uh, through our series of Follow Me. 
And this is what he has to say about the Sabbath. He calls it an, an, an oasis for the body and the soul. And he says this, The truth is that we may be busy because we feel a need to validate our worth. Sabbath gives us a chance to step off the hamster wheel and to listen to the voice that tells us we are beloved by God. The Sabbath heals us from our compulsion to measure ourselves by what we accomplish, who we know, and the influence we have. Sabbath enables us to define ourselves less by our achievements and more as beloved daughters and sons of God. As we become more aware of how much we are cherished as children of God, we grow in our trust of God. So he under, so what he's saying there is he's actually saying when we take a break, at, we can actually embolden and, and enshrine our faith in God even more when we can take the time to focus on him. When we can take the time to take a break and we can actually understand and cast our anxieties on him. And he said, I love what he says at the last part there. As we become more aware of how much we are cherished as children of God, we grow in our trust of God. So if you don't take the time to spend in relationship with God, you actually will feel like God is against you. You'll feel like God doesn't listen to you because you're not, your trust in God is waning because you're actually not taking the time to spend with him. And it's like that in every relationship, actually. We're going to unpack relationships next week. But if you don't take the time to take a break with your uh, spouse or with your boyfriend or girlfriend or with your friends, you'll actually start to develop this time away from your friends. And you'll actually start to feel like your friends don't like you. Or maybe your spouse doesn't like you. Or you'll start to create these narratives in your head because you're simply not taking the time to communicate with them and to spend time with them. And that's really important. Spending time with the people you love and spending time with God will actually embolden and build your trust in God. And that is why in the culture of our busyness, Sabbath is so important. When you actually read psychologytoday.com and you read some other studies from that website, uh, there's actually studies that show that when you take a break and you take a breather from your everyday life, that you actually become a healthier person and not just um, mental health wise, but you'll actually physically become healthier, healthier. Uh, and when you take that time out of your week to take a breather and to meditate and to just turn off all your distractions, your brain will actually become more focused on the task at hand. And the reason why people that are so busy are unhealthy is because when you are so busy and you don't learn how to organize your week and you don't learn how to, uh, even segment your week into different parts, you will focus more on fast foods. You will spend more time, less time on, you know, buying uh, food from scratch and preparing it for yourself. You'll actually won't carve out time to exercise. You won't carve out time to, you know, if you can walk to work for 20 minutes or drive in five, a lot of people will just drive in five because they don't have the time to walk for 20 minutes and then you don't get your exercise in for the day. So that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about when it comes to our Sabbath. Our Sabbath is so important because it'll actually break up our lives in certain ways so that we can take time to focus on certain areas that we need to focus on. And if you feel like you don't have time for something, it is because you are disorganized in your week. It's because you haven't taken the time to take that breather and to be like, okay, what do I need to accomplish tomorrow? Or what do I need to accomplish on my day off? What does my list look like? And that's the, the kind of trap that every single person gets in when it comes to our Sabbath.
Now, taking our Sabbath is not just simply, you know, taking certain days out of our week and just doing nothing. Uh, we actually have to be very intentional with our time. And that is exactly what the point of this episode is today. Because the reason, one of the biggest reasons why, and you can find this on psychologytoday.com and Stats Canada, one of the biggest reasons why people have poor mental health today and, and, and why anxiety is going through the roof is because people... A, they don't know what's going to come tomorrow. They are scared of the future. B, uh, a lot of people watch the media and they watch the news and the news really freaks them out and that causes anxiety to rise. And we can get the news anywhere. We can get it on face. We can get it on Facebook, social media. We can get it on TV. It's it's in our, it's on our phones. It's in our pockets. It's with us all the time. So taking even a Sabbath from your phone is really important. And then C, also uh, people that. Uh, a lot of people are just going and going and going and they're not taking the time to organize their week and they're not taking the time to have intentional focused time where they can bring everything in, hone everything in uh, and understand, okay, this is what I need to get done. So the lack of measuring, the lack of knowing the pro of the lack of even knowing the progress you're making is actually causing anxiety and psychology today can actually is actually telling us that and stats can is actually telling us that as well uh, those are the major reasons why anxiety and depression and mental health issues are going through the roof and of course there's other issues as well but those are some of the indicators that tie into what we're talking about today and so what do we do on our Sabbath? That's a really practical question. That's something that's really important to talk about because I want to lead this section of the podcast by asking you, you know, what fills your bucket? And I know that's something we teach kids in elementary school, uh, but what are some things that you really like to do? What are some things that fill your bucket that can let you outpour for the rest of the week? What are some things that you really just find joy in doing? And this is what Ken Shikamatsu writes in this book. Sabbath is a reprieve from doing what you ought to do, even though the list of oughts is infinitely long and never done. By the way, that list is never going away, so don't let it cause you stress. Oughts are tyrants, noisy, and so uh, surely uh, chronically dissatisfied. Sabbath is the day you trade places with them. They go into the salt mine and you go out dancing. You'll, you get to willfully ignore the many niggling things your existence genuinely depends on and is often uh, hobbled beneath so that you can turn to whatever you've put off and pushed away for the lack of time, lack of room, lack of breath. You get to shuck the have-tos and lay hold of the get-tos. I love that last part of the line. What do you want to do? What do you get to do? And what are, you know, what fills your bucket? What makes you happy? What gives you joy? What lets you actually truly relax? And I'm not just talking about watching your favorite TV show. You know, like I personally love to exercise and I love to go bike riding. I love to go climbing. And I also like to watch movies and watch TV. So, you know, one of the most recent things I've been doing on my Sabbath is I've been taking my daughter, uh, Poppy, who ju is just turning five months next week. I've actually been taking her to the pool and I've been taking her swimming. And that has been so much fun. I've been doing that every single Saturday. And it's actually something that I get to look forward to. And then she also gets to have fun with me and we get to go swimming and we get to do some exercise together and it's just a real uh, it's a bonding time between my daughter and I and so those aren't necessarily sleeping in all day and taking a break but it's taking 
the the things of my job and putting them off to the side, which never go away, by the way. If I complete one thing, if we do one Red Frogs night, if we pull off a fundraiser event, we just start planning the next event. It never ends, right? And that's just the way life is. So we need to understand, you know, wh when can I put that stuff on hold? And, you know, what can I do in my week to be intentional and to do something that I get to do? You know, I love rock climbing as well. I get to go rock climbing on my days off. Uh, I also get to take my dogs out for a walk. And those are things that I get to do instead of thinking I have to do them. So. You know, it's really important to choose intentionally what you're going to do on your life. On our very first episode, we actually had Pastor Jacob Miller on and he talked about how he basically makes a list for his days off. And he does that to make sure he gets everything he wants to get done and everything he gets to do on his day, day off instead of, you know, passing the day and wasting it and forgetting to do something. So I think it's really important to be very intentional with our Sabbath. And, and on God's day off, you know, he took the day to rest. And to relax. Uh, but we have to also understand that we're going to look right now at Jesus because Jesus uh, teaches us something that's very important about the Sabbath. And this is what Ken Shikamatsu talks about earlier in his book. He says, we need to create the rule of life in our life, but we also need to make sure that rule is flexible. Because if the rule is inflexible, then we will use the different things that come up in our lives as excuses to not be to be disciplined in our rule of life. Uh, so, you know, there's one particular scripture. I think it's in the book of Mark. I'm just going to look it up here. And uh, he actually does a healing on the Sabbath. And there's a part uh, of the gospel uh, where uh, it's kind of crazy uh, because this man walks into the temple and the and the Pharisees are in there and there and Jesus is in there and Jesus is actually teaching. And, you know, Jesus actually goes up to this man that has the gimbaled hand and his hand is bro it's broken or it's, it's, it's not working properly. And, you know, the Pharisees all sit in the corner there and they're like, oh, I wonder what Jesus is going to do. Is Jesus going to heal him because this is the Sabbath day so you can't work? Or is Jesus going to, you know, what's Jesus going to do? And Jesus ends up healing the man and giving him grace and, because, and honoring his faith. And then the Pharisees try to kick Jesus out of the temple and they get really upset at Jesus. So I think this is really important. This is found in Luke chapter 6. And this is what happens after Jesus heals the man. This is what it says. And he got up and stood there. Then Jesus said to them, I'm going to ask you a question. Does the law command us to do good on Sabbath days or do harm to save life or to uh, destroy it? He looked around, meeting all of their eyes and said to the man, now stretch out your hand. And he did so. And his hand was restored as sound as the other one. But they were filled, but they, being the Pharisees and the temple guard, were filled with insane fury and kept discussing with each other what they could do to Jesus. So I think it's an, it's an important lesson because Jesus, again, says the Sabbath is important, but we also need to have flexibility so that we can work the Sabbath into our lives so that, you know, it might not be a full day off. It might be two full days off or it might be, you know, a part of this day here or part of this day there. But we need to understand that our Sabbath also needs to be flexible in order for God to continue doing his work in us. And that I want to take all of this teaching on the Sabbath. And I love what Jesus says there. Are, are we going to do good or are we going to do harm? 
I love what he says there. Are we going to do good or are we going to do harm? Are you going to let your personal selfishness of Sabbath get in the way of you doing good for people? And what does your flexibility look like when it comes to your rule of life? I just want, you know, I want to tie all this in with what's going on with the coronavirus. Because right now we see certain Christian leaders that are kind of making fun of it. They're kind of making fun of the plight of the coronavirus. They're kind of making fun of what's going on in the world. And I just think it's really, uh, we need to really understand that, you know, when we see these crazy videos of people in grocery stores and people lined up, uh, we're actually going to show a clip right here uh, in, in just a moment. But, uh, you know, when we see people that are panicked in these situations, uh, people are actually really scared and they're really fearful for their life right now. And they sh partly should be. Uh, we should be taking this seriously, taking this coronavirus seriously. We shouldn't just sweep it under the rug. Uh, but at the same time, we can't teach panic and we can't uh, jump on this as a, as a way to make people fearful and to make people scared for tomorrow because we cannot cause more anxiety. As, as Christian leaders, it's so important to understand that this is important to talk about because it is causing a lot of fear and a lot of panic and a lot of anxiety. And at Walmart today, actually, and some people didn't even know why they needed toilet paper. They just were like, I need toilet paper. Like they're just listening blindly to media and watching what other people are doing. And I think we just need to take a breather and just re realize that, you know what, this is a time where we can just take a break and take a Sabbath and step back from our daily lives and isolate ourselves and start to practice some socially uh some social behaviors where we don't come into contact with a lot of people i think that's really important to understand and really important to realize so you know what scripturally it's important to take a sabbath and we know that sicknesses like this actually continue because people don't take care of themselves and they don't take that sabbath and so i want to encourage you today you know um, take a break from your TV. Take a break from watching the news. Take a break from social media. If this stuff is causing you anxiety, you know, uh, contact a friend or, or go home to your families or, you know, maybe take a break from your studying for a day and uh, as a student and just hunker down in your room or even go to the park. Go somewhere where there's not a lot of people and just hang out and just, you know, ask God to give you that sense of peace and and maybe read your favorite book or maybe do something that you get to do. And I think that's really important to realize and it will help your anxiety. It won't heal you completely. Um, you know, if you need to take other measures where you need to find a counselor or need to get in, involved with someone professionally, please let the campus know, the University of Regina, please let us know and we will get you set up with a counselor because you do, it is important to get the help when you need the help. But I want to end today with a devotional because I want to remind us that we believe in a God and we know God is real and we believe that God is greater than any contagion, than any earthly virus, than anything that has come our way. And you know what? This time of taking a break and canceling everything, it's actually not a bad idea and it's actually not a terrible thing. if. It means that we get to take a forced break and that we get to understand that, you know what, 
this is a time where I can just relax. I can go home to my family or I can go home with my friends or I can be in my room and I can just do what I want to do. I think that's really important. And I just want to read a, an excerpt from, and this is our devotional for the day. But in Luke chapter six, there's a story of, of Jesus healing the leper, of Jesus coming in and 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 going into the city. And then this uh, back in the biblical times, actually lepers were cast out of the city. They were on the outskirts, and and leprosy is a very uh, it attacks the nervous system, but it's a very visible disease because your body can start to rot and it'll start to look visibly gross. And back in the day, people didn't know what leprosy was and they were terrified of it. So uh, the societies actually, you know, if someone had leprosy, they would just kick you out of town and you would have to go and live on these settlements outside of the cities. So it was actually an epidemic. It was a pandemic, I guess you could say, in that time period. And it was similar to what's going on right now, where people would just cast people aside and they would isolate them if they were sick. And this is how Jesus uh, actually encountered that situation. And as Christ followers, we today can find peace and solace in this. And we can understand that we can be Christ-like in how we deal with this uh, pandemic. And uh, this is from the book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, uh, Practicing Radically uh, Spiritual Hospitality, or sorry, Radically Ordinary Hospitality. And uh, the lady who wrote it, I'm just going to read right now, her name is Rosaria Butterfield, but this is what she writes in the book. So what happens is the leper comes from the settlement into the city because the leper understands that Jesus is in town and Jesus is someone that can heal her. She hears through the grapevine that this man can do this. And so he comes into the city and he meets Jesus in the city. So Jesus doesn't go to the settlement. And this and what eventually happens is Jesus actually shows the man kindness and grace by healing him, by touching him and embracing him. And then his body is fully healed. And this is what Rosaria Butterfield says about that interaction. So when Jesus touched the leper, he did not invent grace. God the Father did. We see this throughout the Old Testament, even in healing leprosy. The great Syrian general Naaman was healed of his leprosy by Elisha, thanks to the spiritual wisdom of a nameless Hebrew slave girl who knew above all else that there is a prophet in Israel who heals. Second Kings chapter 5, 1 to 14. Luke heals Luke records how important Naaman's healing was and there are many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elijah he writes and none of them were was cleansed but only Naaman the Syrian Luke chapter 4 verse 27 I suspect Elisha healed Naaman for the sake of the nameless Hebrew slave whose faith was strong and more contagious than the leprosy of her master Indeed, she had faith that Elisha could do something that he had never done before, because that is what real faith is, resting on assurance on a promise of God that has yet to be materialized. Just like this situation, we don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know what's going to be canceled next. We don't know what's going to happen. But resting in assurance on a promise of God that is yet to be materialized. And she continues, it is vital to see what healing and salvation means when they, or what healing and salvation mean when they come from the hand of God. 
It is vital to have the eyes to see what Jesus did. It is also vital to see what Jesus did not do. He did not tell the leper that God loved and approved of him just as he was. Jesus did not say that the problem of leprosy was a social construction rooted only in the mind of the beholder. And now that grace has arrived, the law was no longer binding. Jesus did not encourage the leper to develop greater self-esteem, nor did Jesus rebuke the faith community for upholding irrational taboos against leprosy. Leprophobia, no. The problem was the contagion, and the contagion was no social construct. The contagion was dangerous. When Jesus walked the earth, he wasn't afraid to touch hurting people. He drew people in close. He met them empty and left them full. Jesus turned everything upside down. This is the Jesus paradox. The touch from Jesus uh, that launches a contagion of grace for those who believe, repent, and turn and follow. A contagion of grace that allows the believer to love those who hate in return to pray, serve, and sacrifice so that others, like the nameless Hebrew slave, can know that God is alive and rescues those who call. So I love that because Jesus operates outside of the construct that we are bound to on earth. He, you know, our society is broken. Earth is, you know, we live in a sinful world. We live in a broken world. And that's because of our inherent sin that we have brought on. But I think what's important to understand is that Jesus is above that. He doesn't operate in our construct and he can heal any situation. So he needs to be the rock that we come on during this time of crisis. And you know what? It's not a bad thing that everything is getting canceled. It's not a bad thing that we aren't having large gatherings anymore in certain circumstances because you know what? Maybe it's important for us to take this as a Sabbath. Maybe it's important for us to take this as a break to cause, to, 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 to kind of take our anxiety and to put it on Jesus and to give it to our professionals that we surround ourselves with and to talk about it in our, in our little communities and to just take a break from our everyday life. You know what? And, if that is the challenge, that's the challenge I have for you today, because Jesus doesn't, you know, our jobs are important. Our school is important. But guess what? Jesus is bigger than all of our aspirations and, the, and all of our jobs. Jesus doesn't operate in those constructs. So how can you, as a Christian believer, as a Christ follower, show that kindness to someone? How can you embrace someone in this time of need? How can you take the time to heal someone emotionally and how can you approach Jesus in times of healing physically if you do come into contact with this virus uh, I think a lot of the times humanity is just not very smart we're not common we don't have very good common sense and that's why we get sick and that's why we don't take care of ourselves that's why we have obesity problems in Canada and America and the Bible clearly teaches us that you know what it's okay to not do things if we don't want to get sick. That's actually a good thing. Jesus doesn't condemn that. But Jesus also heals the contagion at its source. He goes after the heart. So in your time of solace, in your time of isolation, during this time of cancellation of a lot of these events, I want you to take that extra time that you're going to have and spend it with Jesus. Take the time. Take that extra time that you have and spend it with Jesus. Take that extra time that you're going to have and take care of yourself. Uh, uh, get your exercise and go outside. Maybe do something that you've been wanting to do for a long time and spend some time doing that thing. Remember, taking your Sabbath is important to get the 
to do the things uh, you want to get to instead of the things that you have to do. And so that's what we want to end on today. And we want to encourage you to take this time, not as a time of anxiety, but a time of peace to understand that, you know what? Tonight, you know, our Red Frogs got canceled tonight. So tonight I get to spend the night with my family and I get to hang out with them. You know what? Our fundraiser got canceled, but we get to put more time into it. We get to make it even better than it was going to be. And I get another night with my family or to maybe write part of my novel or to do something that I wasn't able to do uh, because of that commitment. So, you know, I want us to take this with stride and I want us to understand that as a Christian community as a campus community you know uh, we need to look out for people to help we need to you know uh, also be very common central and and understand and use our common sense and understand that we it's okay to take care of ourselves this is the Jesus paradox the touch from Jesus that launches a contagion of grace I love that picture I just it's a paradox it doesn't make sense it's countercultural it does you know where the world is panicking right now I'm going to be honest with you I'm not panicking it's going to be okay you know what and if I get sick if my family gets sick you know what uh, then we'll deal with it but we're just going to make sure we take the time away from people in order to not get sick and to not spread it and I think that's just what this whole time can teach us And God is bigger than any sickness. God is bigger than this coronavirus. It's going to come and go. We'll be able to treat it one day. And, you know, a lot of people that are getting it aren't staying sick. And, you know, for the people that are getting sick, it's good that we are canceling things so that our hospitals don't get overwhelmed. But I want you to take your time in your Sabbath the next couple of weeks. And I want you to pray for our doctors, pray for our nurses, Pray for our leaders, pray that they use wisdom and pray that uh, that our world will not dwell in, in this crazy anxiety that we're seeing in these photos and these pictures or these uh, videos that we've shown you today. And don't let the media and don't let the world cause you that anxiety. When you watch that stuff and you get anxious of it, just turn it off, take a breather, Go and do something that you get to do and read your Bible and under and pray with God and just give it to God and understand, Jesus, give me the peace that you gave the leper when you physically healed him in the, in the book of Luke. Give me that same peace in this time of need. So I just want to encourage you, if you do need help with anything, if you need anything at all, please message us at enrichregina.com. Please email me, jordan.clark at redfrogs.com. And we want to help you get through this time of need. And we also are going to do smaller group events in April. We're going to do exam relief still. And we just want to connect with you and just let you know, like, it's going to be okay. Just make sure you take these precautionary measures to take care of yourself. Uh, Taking that Sabbath is so important in these times especially it's so important to take that sabbath so have a wonderful day thank you for listening to our podcast thank you for tuning in for our devotional and we hope you have a wonderful week please stay healthy please stay safe and like i said do not uh, buy into the what the media is selling when it comes to being absolutely terrified because god is bigger than all of this and you know uh it's in Canada, it's not as bad as it as it can be yet. And I just want you to know, uh, if you're scared to go out, just stay home and, and take that day as a Sabbath. You know, it's okay to do that. Or message us and we will be praying for you as well for specific requests. Have a lovely weekend. Have a great day. And we'll catch you on next week's episode. Bye.